Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Hey guys, how's it going this morning? Good morning. Um, we were joking at the break that uh, I could literally just take some of the testimonies that have been shared already, piece them together, and that could be our message today. Quite seriously, right? So if we could get the clip of Ruth from earlier and the clip of Jason from earlier, guys, could we just play that? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I am amazed. Uh, I'm amazed at how God has linked together some themes, put some different things on people's hearts, uh, and uh, just as simple as something like like uh, Jason was felt like the Lord was sharing Isaiah six, and that's actually what I'm speaking on, but he didn't know, you know. So I, I feel like the Lord is. The Lord is doing something um, in us and among us, and the stories that we shared this morning. We're in a we're in a series of questions um, that the Lord asks people. So questions that God asks, and we, we've heard a couple different questions that God asks. And I, I love this series because it shows that God is a relational God, and and He asks questions, and that's a big part of relationships. Um, so we're going to look at Isaiah 6, obviously. It's on the piece of paper. Uh, we're going to do a few different things this morning. I think it actually fits really well for this morning. I'm a big fan of discussion and dialogue and teaching and, and, and even settings like this. So we're going to have a few chances this morning where you're going to get a chance to uh, pause and talk with some people around you. And we're going to use that scripture uh, in front of us. So um, today we're going to... Uh, well, so, so it's going to be a hybrid of... Discussion and also some teaching from up front. So uh, it should it should be good. So we're going to look at Isaiah's call and his sending and how Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord and then God sent him out. Um, but it's it's not just about Isaiah, right? Uh, it's, it's about all of us because I think God is constantly asking the question, who will go for us? Whom shall we send? God is constantly asking that question. And um, the reason I like that we're going to hang out with this question a bit is um, I, I think there's this invisible force that kind of keeps us sitting down, right? It's called inertia. Oh, is that is there a name for that, John? All right, it's called inertia. <laughs> who's who's taking uh, physics right now or just physical science in seventh grade? So um, there there is definitely a force that kind of keeps us seated you know, and not involved, not responding to the Lord, and and even in a place like Mercy Hill where there's so much great things happening. There's so many ways that we're responding to the Lord. Um, I, I'm excited that this question is here because it, it keeps us moving. It keeps us hearing from the Lord. Um, and so that's that's my hope here today is that we can, I can be an encouragement as we're reading this scripture. We, we can just be hearing from the Lord and just asking what else is he doing. Um, so good. So uh, a little background on Isaiah before we read this a little bit more. Um, Isaiah uh, is a prophet. Um, the the, uh, uh, the scripture starts off with Uzziah. Uzziah is, like, is the tenth king of Israel or Judah after the kingdom split, and he was a pretty good king. He, he did a pretty good job. Uh, he mostly followed the Lord, but his son, not so good. It's not it's not looking good for for his son. So he's he's not going to be following the Lord. Um, and the, the first six chapters are about judgment on Israel. Israel has disregarded their covenant with the Lord, and Isaiah is bringing a message from the Lord to try to correct that. Um, and so it's often quite a bit of judgment with glimmers of hope all throughout the book. That, yes, there's judgment, but the Lord is doing something soon. Um, so that's what we jump into in Isaiah. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take like a few minutes. I want you to turn to three or four other people around you. 
All right. I'd like the maybe the least talkative person to loudly read the scripture for your little group. <laughs> so you get to choose who the least talkative person is. All right. So find somebody to read that scripture. Uh, just just turn to some people around you. If you're here by yourself, just just jump in with a new group. Those around you come. Grab people in. All right, you're going to read the scripture and you're going to just ask this question that's going to be on the screen. All right, it's just going to be a really simple question. It just says, what, what stands out to you the most and why? All right, so just turn to some other people around you. Three or four, five if you have a big family. I mean, you might have to split your family if you're like eight. <laughs> just so everybody, read the whole thing. Yeah, read the whole thing. Read it out loud. All right, and just, just answer that question. We'll, we'll take a good seven minutes for this. You can read the whole thing. It shouldn't take that long. All right. I think I'm going to interrupt us there. I love hearing the discussion and uh, I, I loved hearing everybody read the scripture. Isn't it great to hear the scriptures from other people's voices? I, I love, I love that. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I love when we get into the scriptures like this together. Um, I, I think we have time uh, because the kids just went down, really, right? So um, I, I'd like to hear uh, from a few people, specifically maybe splitting this thing in half uh, right up until verse 6 and 7, maybe just before verse 8. Um, what, what are some of the things that struck you? I, I actually want to hear just from a few people. Uh, what, what are some of the things that struck you for the first part of that up until... Um, up until verse 8. And so so maybe if someone in your group said something that you thought was really good, maybe you, you can point them out and be like, you should talk. <laughs> All right? So uh, I just want to hear from a few people. I, I think this will be a good way to get into the scripture together. So um, what, what, what struck you? What did you notice? What were you kind of thinking about? I right, point somebody out right now. You can. <laughs> I know this is a little bit different, but I think this is good. This is good. All right, Matt, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay, good deal. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, just a few weeks ago, we heard Jonah, and jo- Jonah got a direction, right? And Jonah's like, he- he's, her- he- he's hearing this call, and what did he do? He went the opposite direction. Yeah, so good. That- that's a good connection back to our other... Our other uh, question a few weeks ago. Good, good. Anything else? Anything else that struck you? Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Right. And it's it's hard for us to see God like that, right? I mean, because in some ways we're. We come to God as our good Father, and through Jesus, it's like this holiness picture is like what, you know? It's it's really different, and yeah, it's in response to seeing that holiness of the Lord. That's good. Good. Anything else? Good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so it's kind of a different way of God showing that the forgiveness of sins is happening. That's good. 
That's good. Any, 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 any youths? Anybody under 20? Go, go ahead. Okay, the seraphim. Yeah, kind of a unique, they're kind of a unique being, right? Yeah, that's good. The seraphim actually, if you translate it, it means burning ones. So they're just kind of this flame <laughs> with wings and eyes. <laughs> very, very, nowhere else in scripture do you see this picture. Yeah, that's something, that's good. That's good. Good. Oh. Say it again. It'd be painful to be touched. Right, if you're seeing this flaming creature come to you with a live coal and it's coming toward your mouth, <laughs> are you thinking, yay? <laughs> no, you're thinking, oh, what's happening here? Yeah, and it could be, we don't know if it was painful or not, but, you know, what is he thinking? And he's still responding to the Lord by receiving that, right? That's good. That's really, really good. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. I wish we had more time to even hear from some more. Um, there, there's so much here. I, I think I want to focus in on um, Isaiah's reaction. Uh, you know, because he, like, like Larry was saying, he sees this picture of the Lord, right? It's this vision, and, and, it, and it's, you know, these seraphim and holy, holy things shaking, you know, and it's, it's the, the, in reaction to this amazing God, he has this reaction of like, shoot, I'm dead. I'm a dead man. Uh, I'm doomed. I'm ruined. I'm in big trouble. And, you know, Isaiah's a prophet. He knows that no one can see the Lord live. You know, Isaiah's a prophet, so he's already following Yahweh. He's already like probably a, you know, a pretty, he's pretty close to God. But even, even though that's true, he still has this reaction of, oh no, what's going to happen to me? Um, and I, I think, you know, why? I, I think he knows compared to this holy, completely separate, and a whole category on his own, this creator God, that he's just, he should die because of his sin. He, he, he knows that. He knows that. And he knows he's done for on his own. But the thing is, he's not on his own. Right? He's not on his own. The angel come, touches his lips. Apparently it didn't burn him. <laughs> right? Um, and his sins were toned for it. And, and, uh, God took away his sins. And what, what strikes me the most here, guys, is that um, God is sending out somebody who is not perfect, but who is forgiven. Right? God is, God is not looking for p- perfect people to send, but he is looking for people who know that they're ruins. And I think, I think that's really, really important. Women and men, even girls and boys, who see the holiness of God and know that they're done for. Right? This is what God is looking for. This, this is what God is looking for. Um, I mean, you might ask, what's the prerequisite to, you know, be used by God and be sent like, like Isaiah was? And you might be like, well, maybe somebody who, you know, has the courage to get up front and share at Mercy Hill or someone who always seems happy and never has a bad day or someone who knows a lot about the Bible. But honestly, guys, just the simple fact is what we see here is, is God is looking for ruined people who have seen the Lord, who hear his voice and know um, that they're ruined. And I just want to sit in that, that image a little bit more. Another image of, of this came to me from, from um, the end of Jesus' life, uh, the upper room. It's the end of Jesus' ministry. They're having the last meal with the, supper, with the last supper with the disciples and Jesus. And um, 
it was, it was common in that day when you had a meal with somebody, because you're all kind of laying around a little bit, somebody has to wash the feet, right? Somebody has to wash the feet of the people. And usually the servant, or kind of the lowest person on the totem pole, would have to do that job. Um, you know, but why? why? Why is it the lowest? Well, their feet were really dirty, right? I mean, because in those days, you know, you, you, had, you didn't have nice paved streets with street cleaners that come around and, you know, that kind of thing. Their streets were just dirt roads with animals and dirt. And, and what, what gets all over your feet when that happens, right? You, I mean, your feet get really messy. And, and your, your, your sandals run, right? So somebody's got to clean your feet or else when you're eating, you got their feet next to you, <laughs> okay? Right? And um, so somebody's got that nasty job of cleaning feet. Um, it reminded me of the last 4th of July, uh, a few of us were at uh, Ethan and Amanda's house uh, in front of their home watching watching the parade. And uh, this horse comes by and uses the bathroom right in front of us, right? And everyone's like, oh, gross, right? But then there's somebody with a bucket that has to come behind and clean it up. And the funniest thing was is that happened, he cleaned it up, and everyone's clapping for the guy. Yay, thank you. It was just this uproar of, of, of clapping. It was really funny. But, I mean, what, what strikes me is, is Jesus cleaned the disciples' feet with all the junk, with all the mess, with all the crap, with all, with all the sin. And he says it was a call to servanthood, but also uh, uh, represented how God takes away the junk of our lives. And then a few days later, after Jesus died and rose from the dead, the disciples were again in a, in a room, and Jesus appears, and he says, you know, peace be with you, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And so the disciples, understanding their sin, their ruin, the crap on their feet, um, were sent by God with a message still. Uh, just like Isaiah was, and just like we are. So I, I, think, I think the majority of us here today have seen something of God's holiness, haven't we? I mean, we, we, we've, we've been in God's presence, we've, we've seen him, we've, we've, you know, maybe for some of us that's more, more of an intellectual thing, some of it's more of a heart thing. And there's lots of different ways that we see the Lord's holiness in his presence. Um, we can believe in him and say who he is. We've been touched with the coals and the sins, but sometimes we just can't believe that we're sent ourselves, that we're sent, that God can use us to extend his ministry into the world. Um, it's a struggle to believe that God's invitation is actually open to every single one of us. And honestly, I, I get stuck all the time. I get stuck in a rut, especially when I start looking at like my own mess and my own stuff on my feet, right? Um, you know, uh, you know. I think it's easy when when we start looking at our own sin, our own failures, to be like God can't send me. But I, I want to ask this question: What other kind of person do we think God will use? Right? Someone who has it all together. Well, other than the fact that, that person doesn't exist, <laughs> all right. Other than that fact, uh, how could God? send out a message about forgiveness of sins and new life if the messenger somehow had it all together. You know, if they, if, they didn't, if they didn't struggle with depression or anger or sexual temptation and lust, apathy and pride or not treating other people well or not treating their spouse well or getting into fights with their spouse before church or, you know, getting into arguments with people at work or whatever. What, who else could God use, right? No, it's precisely because God knew he was ruined that God sends them out. And it's precisely that we know that we're ruined, that we can bow before the king and accept the invitation to go.
Well, I, I want to um, jump to the second second part of this scripture real quick because um, and I'd love to hear a few more things from the, from the last half. But I think we're kind of we're kind of we need to move along a little bit. The last half we see we see then the voice of the Lord coming and saying, "Whom shall I send, and who will go for us?" Did you notice the funny picture that this made here? Right, so it's like it's almost like there's like a thousand people, right? And God's like, "Who's going to go?" Among all you people. And there's only one. It's just Isaiah. Right? Right? I mean, so he's like, I guess that's me. I guess I'm gonna go, right? Um, I, I actually think that, that we could almost hear that this question is being asked almost outside of time, right? It's being asked for all people, everywhere. Whom is, whom shall I send? Who's gonna go for us? I think this is a question that God is constantly asking in the throne room. And as we come before him and we worship the Lord and we, we see him, um, this is a question that he asks each one of us. Um, and this, this, is why, this is why worship and mission and pastoring one another and all these things are all linked together um, into, the, into the mission of the church and what God is doing to extend the, the ministry of Jesus in the world. Because as we come into the throne room, this is a question that God asks us. Whom shall I send? Um, I have to I have to say there. I don't know if you uh, got a little got a little uh, maybe felt a little tension, a little question with the last half with Isaiah's message, right? That message that Isaiah sent it was kind of bad news, right? Right? And and honestly, even you could be like, is is God good? You know, does God really want the people of Israel to know Him? Um, and I, we're not going to spend a ton of time here, but it's a question that's there. And I should say that as, as, as believers, as people of faith, that, that it's okay to have questions. It's okay to read the scriptures and be like, um, I don't get that. And uh, it seems like God is pretty mean right there, right? <laughs> right? I, I think as we're looking at questions that God asks, um, it's, it's actually all right for us to ask God questions too and to have questions. And that, that's something that we wrestle with, I think, especially as we're thinking about um, being sent people. What, what if I have questions? What if I have doubts? Um, so many of the prophets and so many of the people in scriptures had hard questions for God, and he was able to handle them. Um, and, and I think as we, as we live in community with one another, we need to be able to handle each other's hard questions. And, and that helps us, actually, when we are extending the ministry of Jesus outside these walls, because people have questions like that. Um, so so here's, a hard, here's a hard thing. Um, it, it seems like bad news. But I just want to say that I think, I think God is actually giving them exactly what they need to draw him back to himself. Uh, I, I think that's how, how I see that. Deuteronomy already showed all of the things that would happen to Israel if they, if they broke the covenant. It's not surprising. The, the prophets are usually being like, this is now going to happen. It's the next thing in the line in Deuteronomy, right? I mean, so, so this isn't actually any new news. I think this is what the people needed to hear in order to be kind of jarred into relationship and covenant keeping again. Um, and so I, I think, I think uh, that, that message, I think whenever in the Old Testament God gives a hard message and the people respond, he always relents and doesn't do what he said he's going to do. So, so I, th- I think that's what God's doing here. Um, but that's not what I want to focus on. Uh, uh, I just want to say that this is not exactly our message. This was Isaiah's message, and aren't you glad, right? Our message... You know, can you imagine having this message? Okay, I want you guys to know what God wants for you. He wants you to never hear and never see, right? That's kind of bad news. What is, what is our message? 
I think, I think that's, that's really simple. The, the, the gospel of Mark starts off with saying that the good news, Jesus says, is the, the kingdom of God is available now through change of mind and life and faith in Jesus Christ, right? And the end of Luke says, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to all people in his name, beginning in Jerusalem. So our, our message is simple. You've heard it over and over again, that the kingdom of God is near. We announce this good news that faith in Jesus Christ um, is the way our sins are forgiven and that we have a new life. God gives us his spirit. And, and that's what we live out and we announce as we live our daily lives. That's the message that we have. I think it's the same call. God is always saying, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? The message is different. God has given us a, a message about the, the good news, about the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. So I, I want to um, just give a maybe shift now to uh, looking at what, what maybe this, what does this look like to be a sent people? If we say, say yes to this, um, and I, I gotta, I gotta be honest, just even hearing the testimonies earlier today, I'm so, I feel so privileged to be a part of a community that, that takes the mission of God seriously. You know, it's just, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Um, and, and I think, I think as we look at the scriptures, we're, we're just saying, Lord, thank you, and also, Lord, where else are you calling us, right? We're, we're just asking those questions. Um, I love as a church, we, we heard a little bit from Ruth and John about um, doing the uh, National Night Out Against Crime. And uh, if you don't know, they, they put up a booth that had some crafts for the kids and just said, you know, do you need prayer? Wow, is that is that simple? You know, is that simple? Do you need prayer? I, so as a church, I think we can respond to this call with a yes as a whole church, right? And we do things as a whole church, like, like things like National Night Out Against Crime. I think that's, that's a great way. And I think, you know, as we do things boldly as a whole church, it actually helps us be bold individually. Um, so I encourage you, you know, next time there's something like that, that might be something that you might want to take a step of faith in and just say, I don't really know how to do this. Um, I'm not so sure about publicly announcing my faith in, you know, middle of Munster, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, it does something. It's a way that we can say, here I am. Send me. So I, I wonder, are there other ways that we can do things as a whole church to live out this this good news and to speak uh, the good news in in, in public places? And, and many of us are in the Munster and Highlands. So what would that look like? So just keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. What are some other ways that as a whole church we could we could be the the sent people of God and say, Here I am. Send me. What what if our life share groups and other groups that get together? We got. All kinds of groups that pop up around our church. Um, what if we had some regular rhythms of living out this sense calling? You know, just 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 in real natural ways. Um, I know when we, we used to live in Crown Point and we were doing some stuff with missional communities and you know mission focused house churches. And um, one of the things that we built in just, just our rhythm was just going once a month or so to a to a nursing home, and it was stinky. It was hard to know what to do because sometimes we had babies and babies around old sick people is hard. I mean, there's all this kind of stuff on our feet, right? They're confusing and hard. Um, but we kind of just built that into our rhythm. And it was amazing to see what God did over time that the, the administration started just reaching out to us when they were like pastoral things. Um, they gave us a chance to come in and do like a, a Good Friday service. And we ended up meeting like, you know, people's kids and grandkids. And it was just amazing how God... God did that, but you know, just a community together doing something like that and paying attention to what God's doing around us. You know, what if what if those things could? You know, God might call us into some of those things. And then, 
um, as individuals, there's so many various ways that we can respond to God's invitation individually. And we're not all extroverted personalities. Any introverts in here? I, I, I'm actually, I'm a learned extrovert, but I'm actually naturally an introvert. Um, we're not all just like loving to meet people all the time and being like, woohoo, new people. And, you know, some of us like our two or three good friends and that's about it, right? You know, the amen to that, right? <laughs> that's, you know, God uses all different personalities. I'm a big proponent of finding how God has wired you and me and each of us and, and, and living out the gospel in that way. Um, all different ways. But I think there's different ways that we, we can, we can live out this sense sentness of God, um, being sent people. And, and I think we can think through diff- different things. We can think through um, where are our spheres of life and what kind of season of life are we in. So spheres of life. Um, where do we have connections with people that don't follow Jesus yet, right? Um, I, I think about like where you live, your neighborhood. That's one sphere of life. Uh, maybe you get to know, we're not quite ready for that yet, but almost. Um, you know, where, where, where you have like connections in your neighborhood, people know you. I, I find most neighborhoods are fairly disconnected, except if you're on the hamsters block, then it's like this party all the time. <laughs> Which one day I'd love to hear more about that story and over the time. I think that'd be fun for us all to hear. Um, but most neighborhoods are fairly disconnected. And I think in the suburbs, we have what we call relational poverty. People are disconnected and busy. And what the gospel looks like to bring good news to our neighborhoods can often just be connecting people together. Um, and so, you know, what about where we live? Do we do we take intentional time to see, see our neighbors and just, you know, just say hi? And again, that's probably more an extroverted thing, you know, but sometimes it's okay, you know, for uh, just as God nudges you to cross the street and just talk with a neighbor or hang out a little bit. So I think that's one sphere of time or one sphere uh, of our life. What about where we work, our coworkers? You know, a lot of us spend a lot of time with our coworkers. Some of us work at home and don't see our coworkers too much. So maybe that's not a sphere that God would send you into as much. You know, um, different seasons of your life, things change. But th- that might be a place where you have regular connections with people. What about where you play? You know, where do you hang out? Your gym, um, where, where your kids play on, on, the, on the soccer fields and the baseball fields. That's another sphere of life that God might send us into. And then, of course, just our extended families. Like, wow, is there opportunities for God to send us and, and, and use us among our extended families. And that's usually the hardest place, you know, to be a light, I think. Um, but we have the opportunity to be sent. In different seasons with our extended family, we'll have more influence than others. Um, but I, what I love most is that, um, that God will use our season of life and use us in different spheres of life, depending on what's happening in our lives at the time. And so I just, I want to take a minute. What, what do we do? Um, like, how can we respond to the, the yes and say, here I am, send me? What, what sphere of life might God call us into? And so I just want, actually, let's go back. Oh man, time is ticking. Um, what time do we let the kids out? 10? Anyway. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have this, I'm gonna have us ask this question, um, over, you can take it home for lunch. But once you ask this question, what area of life do you have the most connections with people who don't follow Jesus? You know, where you live, work, or play with family. And, and maybe over lunch, maybe just say, what, what's most challenging about seeing yourself as a sent person in those relationships? And so I, I believe that God uses ruined people who know that they're ruined, and he sends them out, he sends them out 
with this message of new life and forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. But I think we, 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 it's, it's, we need to be uh, paying attention and saying, Lord, what sphere of life are you activating right now? What, what, what's, what, what place are you calling me into? And I think my, my hope is that every one of us just has a sense of like, hey, I think the Lord is bubbling this up right now, or he's bubbling this up right now. And honestly, the, the main piece there is prayer. And so I, I want to I want to end end with this. Um, the question is is still for us: Who will go, and have we responded with a "Here am I, send me"? Isaiah has a vision, and visions often happen through prayer and worship. That often is what's happening. It doesn't always happen that way, but that's what happens. Um, and in that, he gets a glimpse of the throne room of God. And I and I think I think it's it's when we are paying attention to what the Lord is doing and saying, Lord, what do you have for me? You know, that's where mission starts. That's where it starts. And so, included with this question is just, would you consider over the next month taking a serious time to pray for the people in that sphere? And just ask the Lord, Lord, I'm here. Send me. I'm available. Do you have anything? And if the Lord doesn't give you anything, that's totally fine. But keep praying and keep seeking the Lord and just being open to what he wants to do. So, I want to send us off with that just for time's sake. Let's respond like Isaiah. The Lord is constantly asking, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? We have the great privilege of being a part of that uh, that sending. And, and I encourage us to take that, pray, um, and seek the Lord. So let's pray. God, we, we know that you are holy and good. Your, your glory fills the earth right now. And we want people to see that. We want others to know your holiness, your goodness, and your love. And so... Um, speak to us. We pray that you would activate new things in us. We pray that you would continue to do the good works that you're already doing through our mission in this church. But we're here for you, Lord, and we're your servants. We say, here I am, and send us. In Jesus' name, amen.